You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. And we're excited to now introduce our special guest. You know, every year, this week is the National Day of Prayer, which is exciting. And I got to attend that event on Thursday night. It was wonderful after the ordination that we had. And Craig preached the ordination for Jared here. And then uh, Friday, he preached the graduation for our graduates, including my son, Zoe. And then uh, Saturday, he preached at the retirement center. And so we've been keeping him busy. But this morning, I think, is really the highlight of his visit. Craig's been a friend of mine for about 20 years. I met him just kind of a, introduced to Craig in a, in a very unique way. God just has a way of, provident, his providence is so powerful when it comes to people that he puts in our lives. And Craig's been just a, an incredible mentor to me. This entire trip has been just honestly that for me. It's been what I'm going to be speaking on in the month of June, just the older men mentoring the younger. And I've needed Craig's mentorship and his influence in my life. This week has been a pro, made a profound impact, just the time I've had with him over a tuna sandwich a couple of times and having him over the house. He and Chloe have been jamming to Jesus tunes all week. This guy can play about any instrument you could ever imagine. He picked up Chloe's violin and just, just spun it like it was like he was Mozart or something. I don't even, does Mozart play instruments? I think he does, but anyway. So I love this guy. I know you're going to enjoy what he has to say. Give uh, him your ear. Give God your heart. Craig, thanks for being here. I love you, buddy. Preach the word. Bless you. Love you. Amen. It's so good to be here this morning. I appreciate being back at Gospelite. Um, I was here several years ago for several times, and it's just good to be back and see what God is doing now. And I'm excited about your past 30 years, and I'm excited about what God is doing now. I want to say Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. I reached out to my wife and my two daughters, uh, wishing them a Happy Mother's Day. Today's a very special day. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be talking to you about a mother in the Bible. Now, you're going to notice as you already have, that I'm not wired as tight as your pastor. <laughs> um, I tell everybody, he makes me tired just watching him. I mean, just <laughs> like a squirrel. Just. I have always been slow my whole life. I've never been first for anything in my life. I walk too long in the same place. When, when I go to a church for the first time and people see me mope up to the platform and they find out I'm the speaker, I know what they're thinking. I really do. I know what they're thinking. I know exactly what's going through their minds. They're thinking, oh, God. <laughs> I've just always been slow. Uh, my mama carried me like 15 months before I was born. And um, I didn't get my birthmark till I was eight years old. I've just always been slow, but um, 
I'm happy to be with you this morning. It's just, uh, it's been a great experience for me, preacher. I, I love you and your family, and I couldn't tell you what just being here has meant to me. I want to be sharing uh, a story with you from Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. I believe that perhaps one of the greatest sins of all Christendom is our failure to pray. It's amazing that the disciples never asked Jesus to teach them how to preach, to perform miracles, to walk on water. The only thing they asked Jesus to teach them was how to pray. And we need to know how to pray but we need to be taught to pray. I'm afraid our problem is that we don't pray. Prayer is so important because every time you pray, you are exercising your faith. Through the act of prayer, you're acknowledging that God is is. You're acknowledging that God is aware of you, that God hears you, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We need to pray. We ought to pray. Even if the baby is not healed, we need to pray. Even if the bills are not paid, we need to pray. Even if we don't get that house or we don't get that job, we need to pray. Even if relationships in our life just falls apart, we need to pray because prayer changes us. But I'm afraid we, we fail to pray. Perhaps we, we feel that God doesn't care, or maybe God doesn't love us. One of the main reasons I think we fail to pray is because God doesn't answer our prayers. And we develop the attitude and the mentality, what's the use to pray? Why bother? God never answers my prayer. So why should I pray? In Matthew chapter 15, 
The Bible talks about a woman, a mother, who came to Jesus with her request. And in verse number 23 of Matthew chapter 15, the Bible says, but he answered her not a word. She prayed and it was as though her prayers fell on deaf ears. Jesus totally and completely ignored her. He answered not a word. Thank God for the video we saw this morning and, and we learned how that God answered prayers and what a blessing it is when God hears and answers your prayer. But have you ever prayed and your prayers go up only to fall down as arrows piercing your heart? Because God answered you not a word. Have you ever prayed and it seemed as though God didn't hear you? Has it ever seemed as though your prayers fell on deaf ears? That's what happened in Matthew chapter number 15. He answered her not a word. I want you to notice three things about her request. Number one, it was serious. The Bible says that a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Her request was serious in that it involved her daughter. I have three children. I have a son and two daughters. I love my kids more than I love the blood that flows through my veins. I love my children more than I love the air I breathe. And if the need should arise, I would die for any one of my kids without hesitation she came to Jesus on behalf of her daughter and as a parent I understand that it does not get any more serious than your children culturally it was very unusual for a woman to approach a man in Bible days. 
And when you consider the fact that this woman was a Canaanite woman, she was a Gentile. And she approached Jesus, who was a Jewish man. It makes it even more unusual. But it didn't matter. She did not care what was culturally or politically correct. Her daughter was at stake. Her daughter was grievously vexed with the devil. And that means that her daughter was literally being tormented by this devil. And here is a mother that stands by and she watches her daughter suffer day after day after day because she's being tormented by this devil. Hear me, mountains don't get too high for a mother when her baby has a need. Valleys don't get too wide for a mother when her child is in trouble. Rivers don't get too deep for a mother when her baby has a problem. A mother will do whatever she has to do to get her baby some help. And she came to Jesus on behalf of her daughter. Number two, her request was sincere. The Bible says that she came out of the same coast and she cried. The word cried, as it's used here in Matthew chapter 15, means to cry aloud. It's making reference to a boisterous cry. When she came, she came with a sincere request she cried her request came from the very depth of her heart from her inner being with everything that was in her she cried she came as sincerely as she knew how to come, she cried. I'm afraid a lot of our prayers are not sincere. A lot of our prayers come from here and not from here. 
A lot of our prayers consist of repeating cliches, familiar phrases. We pray to sound pretty. And a lot of our prayers are not from the heart. But this woman came as sincerely as she knew how to come. She cried. All of those who were around her heard her as she called out to Jesus and begged Jesus for mercy on behalf of her daughter. Yet the Bible tells us her request was slighted. Jesus ignored her. It was as though she wasn't even there. He answered not a word. Here is a mother without a doubt in tears. She's crying out with everything in her. She's praying to compassionate Jesus, caring Jesus, loving Jesus, miracle-working Jesus. And what does Jesus do about her need? He ignores it. He answered her not a word. It was as though he had nothing to say to this woman. Or did he? You've got to understand and you need to remember that everything Jesus did was with purpose and intent. Everything he did not do was with purpose and intent. When Jesus showed up, it was always with purpose and intent. And when Jesus didn't show up, it was with purpose and intent. Every word he spoke was with purpose. And when he didn't speak, it was with purpose. As a matter of fact, Jesus preached some powerful sermons. By remaining silent, by not saying a word. Did you know that sometimes silence speaks louder than words? I remember when I was a, a boy in school. 
school. I told those in the first service I did go to school. I got over it, but I went. And I didn't mind school too bad. The, the principle of it got to me now and then. You may have to think about that one. But I went to school. And I can remember being in the class, and, and sometimes the teacher would be up talking, but they weren't communicating. No one was listening. No one was paying attention. Sometimes the students would be whispering. Some would have their head on their desk, sound asleep. I was always in la-la land. I spent a lot of time in la-la land. That's, that's my, my little world. And I go there a lot, but it's okay because everybody knows me in la-la land. And when the teacher would realize that he or she was not communicating, they would just stop talking. And the room was filled with silence. And I'm telling you, the silence was so loud. It woke the dead. The silence was so loud, it brought me back to earth. Every student in the room would sit up at their desk and all eyes were on the teacher. Not because of what the teacher was saying, but because of what the teacher was not saying. Silence can speak so loud. He answered her not a word. Was it because he had nothing to say? Was it because he didn't care? Was it because he had nothing to offer? Or was he speaking to this woman by answering not a word? I want you to notice the first time she came, she prayed, O Lord, thou son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. That sounds really pretty. That was a beautiful prayer. The problem was it didn't get an answer. She tried to lay claims on Jesus through and on the basis of his kingship. Oh, 
Lord, thou son of David. You remember God made a covenant with David, and God promised David that through his seed there would arise a king that would sit on his throne, and to his kingdom there would be no end. And that's why Jesus was referred to as the son of David, and the city he was born in was called the city of David, and the throne upon which he will one day rule and reign is referred to as the throne of David. She tries to lay claims on Jesus through the basis of his kingship. But she was not of the lineage of David. She was not even of the lineage of Abraham. She was a Gentile. And he answered her not a word. Even the disciples said to Jesus, get rid of her. Tell her to go away. She cries after us. She's bothering us. And no doubt she heard what the disciples said. Get rid of her. Send her away. But you hear me. The thought of quitting had not crossed her mind. The thought of giving up was not an option. Her daughter was in the balance. So she approaches Jesus the second time. However, as she approaches Jesus the second time, there were some differences. For example, the second time she approached Jesus, there was no mention of Jesus being the son of David. The second time she approached Jesus, there was no mention of her daughter. And the second time she approached Jesus, the Bible said she worshiped. The word worshiped in the Greek, proskunio, and in the Hebrew, shakah, they both mean to get down, to lower yourself. Without a doubt, the second time she approached Jesus, she threw herself on the ground. And she cried, Lord, help me. Help me. Now, wait a minute. The first time she approached Jesus, it was do something for my daughter. My daughter is being tormented. She's grievously vexed with a devil. Help my daughter. But the second time she approaches Jesus, it's Lord, help me. As I read that, it it gives to me a sense that this woman is accepting some accountability for her daughter's condition. That maybe she had not been the mother that she should have been. Lord, help me. Help me. And that's so important. 
I was preaching revival years ago in East Tennessee. I love East Tennessee. Uh, I love the way they talk. Anybody here this morning from East Tennessee? In East Tennessee, they don't say you. They don't even say y'all. Do y'all say y'all in Arkansas? In North Carolina, we say y'all. We say all y'all. All y'all is just the plural form of y'all. <laughs> but in East Tennessee, they say Ewins. And they don't say might like it might rain. They say Matt. It might rain. Matt not. Who knows? <laughs> I was in East Tennessee. It was a little mountain church. It was on Thursday night. The building was filled to capacity. God moved in the service that night in a great way. In this little church, they had a mourner's bench that went all the way across the front of the church. And, and people were coming that night being saved, people they'd prayed for for years. And, and people were getting right with one another and getting right with God. It was just a, an unusual service. But then there was a man that sat to my right. He was on the back row. I'm going to guess him to be maybe in his mid-30s. He got up. He started down the aisle. And I am not exaggerating with every step he took. He screamed to the top of his lungs, I'm going to hell. All the way down the aisle, it was like, I'm going to hell! I'm going to hell! And he came and he bowed at the mourner's bench continued screaming, I'm going to hell, I'm going to hell. The pastor met him, some men met him and prayed with him. And the only response they got was, I'm going to hell. I watched one of the men get up from the mourner's bench. He walked across the building. He went back into the congregation and stood beside an elderly gentleman and he whispered something in his ear. And I watched this. The old man stood there and he kept shaking his head like this. Finally, the man came back and out at the mourner's bench and continued to pray. And the invitation was still going on. And I mean, people were still coming. And then I saw the old man. He left his seat and he came down the aisle and he bowed at the mortar's bench. So I just left the platform and I knelt by his side. He told me that he was saved. He told me that he was a Christian. And then he told me that he was not right with God. He said, I've, I've held office in this church. He had sung in the choir. He had taught, but he said for so long, I've been cold on God in my heart. And see, you can do all those things and be cold in your heart. You can come to church, you can give, you can sing, you can teach, and yet be cold in your heart. He said, that young man over there, he said, that's my son, that's my boy. And he said a moment ago, and he called 
the gentleman's name. He said he came back to me and asked me to come and pray with my son. He said, maybe you can help your son. Maybe you can get through to your son. And that old man looked at me with tears running down both cheeks. And he said, preacher, how can I help my boy when I need help myself? Lord, help me. How are we going to reach our families? How are we going to help our families when we need help ourselves? How are we going to help our neighbors when we need help ourselves? How are we going to reach out to our friends, our loved ones, and help them when we need help ourselves? Lord, help me. Jesus said, it's not meat to take children's bread and cast it to dogs. Now, I want to make sure you understand what's going on here. Here we have a woman at the feet of Jesus. Her heart is broken. She is weeping. She is desperate. Her daughter needs help. She needs help. And Jesus said, it's not meat to take children's bread, talking about Israel, and cast it to dogs, referring to Gentiles. And she was a Gentile. Wait a minute. Do you understand what is happening? Loving, caring, compassionate Jesus is responding to her burden, her tears, her broken heart, her prayer by calling her a dog. Not meat to take children's bread and cast it to dogs. And the amazing thing is that she was not offended. She didn't walk away angrily saying, you can't talk to me like that. No. She exclaimed, truth, Lord, truth, Lord, you're right, I'm a dog, nothing more than a dog. But she said, even the dog. Get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. I don't deserve a place at the table. I'm a dog. I don't deserve the bread. I'm a dog. But even the dogs, even the dogs lick up the crumbs that fall from the table. Lord, would you just give me a crumb? I told the early service about my grandmother. My grandmother used to bake cakes and pies 
I mean, unbelievable. Unbelievable. She baked cakes and pies and sold them, and people came from everywhere wanting her cakes and pies. And one day, it hasn't been that long ago, I was thinking about her red velvet cake. Unbelievable. One bite of her red velvet cake would change your life forever. You'd never be the same. You could take a bite of her red velvet cake. It was just like stepping into the twilight zone. And I was thinking, boy, it would be really good if I could just have one piece of my grandmother's red velvet cake. But when she died, the recipes died with her. But I also thought, you know, if I just had a crumb from her red velvet cake, just one little crumb, I could take that crumb to a laboratory and they could analyze it. And they could give me the recipe because every ingredient that's in the cake can also be found in the crumb. All the ingredients in the cake are in the crumb. All of the ingredients that were in the bread were in the crumb. She said, Lord, I don't deserve a place at the table. I don't deserve the bread. But would you give me a crumb? Would you just give me a crumb from the same power of when you walked on the water? Would you just give me a crumb from the same power that enabled you to raise the dead? Would you just give me a crumb from the same power that enabled you to cleanse a leper? Would you just give me a crumb from the same power that caused you to open blinded eyes and made them see? Lord, just give me a crumb. Even the dogs get the crumbs. And Jesus marveled at her faith. That's, don't leave me now. Don't leave me now. I want you to see something. She came the first time making herself a royal subject. O oh Lord, thou son of David. When she was not even of the house of Abraham, didn't get an answer. So she came back the second time as a servant. Lord, help me. 
You remember Jesus asked the question, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? She came the second time as a servant. Still didn't get an answer. But finally she humbled herself and approached Jesus as a sinner. Truth, Lord. I'm a dog. No better than a dog. But even the dogs eat the crumbs. And when she approached Jesus as a sinner, are you listening? Business picked up. I want you to watch this. Can you see how that by remaining silent, Jesus preached a powerful sermon. He taught this woman a life-changing lesson on humility. She came as a royal subject, no answer. She came as a servant, no answer. But finally, she humbled herself, truth, Lord, and she came as a sinner. Jesus preached to her a message on humility. He taught her in God's economy, if you want to go up, you've got to get down. Through and by his silence. I want to ask you a question this morning. How long has it been since God answered one of your prayers? Does it seem like you've been praying a lot? And he's answering not a word. Is it because he doesn't care about you? Is it because he doesn't love you? Or could it be that he's trying to teach you something about yourself? And those are hard lessons. seeing yourself confessing the truth about myself can I be honest I can see sin in the lives of other people I can hate sin in the lives of others I can condemn sin in the lives of others but when it comes to me you know what I see when I look into my heart and what you see, I can tell you what you see when you look into your heart.
we see what we want to see. We see the person we want to see. Because it's so painful. It's painful to see the truth about who and what we really are. I hate taking pictures. I do. And the reason I hate taking pictures is because cameras lie about me. They're awfully bad to lie. I look at a picture of myself. I know you've never done this. You've never done. But I've looked at pictures of me and I thought, hey, I, I know I look bad, but I don't look that bad. I know i got to look better than that. Because I don't like what I see. And when we look into our hearts, it's difficult. It's hard. It's painful to confess truth. can see that Canaanite woman as she goes back home with her daughter delivered restored happy and whole and if you could ask that mother was it worth it I mean you liken yourself to a dog was it worth it no regrets whatsoever It was worth it to get the blessing. I want you to stand with me. And I'm going to ask you to just think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Could it be that God, could it be, is it possible that God is withholding the answer to your prayer? even though it's serious and even though you've prayed as sincerely as you know how to pray, could it be, could it be that he has not answered you because he's wanting you to take a look at yourself? To look deep on the inside. Is confessing the truth worth it? Is admitting you have issues worth it? Is admitting you're not all that? Is it worth it? Ask the Canaanite woman. Just a moment, I'm going to pray. And maybe God is speaking to your heart right now.
Are you willing to open up your heart? Search me, oh God, try me. Are you willing to say to Jesus, truth, Lord, truth, Lord, truth, Lord, about yourself? Are you willing to get down like this woman so that you can go up? If so, I'd like to pray with you. And if you're here this morning and you're not saved, you don't even know Jesus. This Mother's Day could be the best day of your life. You have an opportunity to make the best and greatest decision you've ever made right here today. One that you'll never regret, I promise. If you're here this morning and you don't even know Jesus, there'll be people that love you and care about you that will take God's precious word in a loving and caring way and point you to the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. I want to pray with you this morning. You said, Preacher, God has spoken to my heart. No running, no hiding, no pretending truth, Lord. I wonder how many of you would meet me around this altar and just let me pray with you. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. You can stand, you can kneel, you can sit on the front. I just want to pray with you. They're going to sing, and as they sing, I wonder how many of you would come right now. And the truth is, we're all needy people, and you don't have to be ashamed of that, and you don't have to be afraid of that. I'm needy. I'm a work in progress. I have not arrived. I need help. And I'd like to think of this service as a spiritual emergency room. And the doctor is in. And he'll help you if you'll give him a chance. While they sing, you just let God have his way in your heart. If you come, please don't leave. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you before you go back to your seat.